You're listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live, with your hosts, Eric Provoznik, Jim Culver, Marty Zamora, and Christine Leninger. This is Lars Walker. You're listening to All Over the Place, where the fun sanity never ends. Welcome back to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. I'm your host, Eric Provoznik, and Jim Culver. Welcome back, my friend. Evening. How are you doing? Doing great. How's it going with you? Not too bad. No, I'll be doing my best not to do too much. How's it going? A, I've been uh, around a lot of Canadians with some baseball tournaments this weekend. I'll uh, do my best to keep uh, Rick Moranis in the background. Now watch it there, Hoser. I came from Seattle, too. So, you know, it was, uh, yeah. But on the back burner, because with us, Christine as well, keeping me Phoenix centralized here. How are oh, you, Christine? Here. Oh, gee, she's, she's going to go Fargo on us. Excellent. <laughs> And Marty, unfortunately, unable to join us tonight. Hopefully, we'll have Marty back in for the next round of All Over the Place. With us tonight, though, we've got an excellent guest with us. Because we, we have nothing but excellent guests on the show. Who are we kidding? With us tonight, we have the author of the recently released Club Lithium. Welcome to the show, CR, or Charles Allen. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. And a uh, little disclosure notice here because Christine is uh, the uh, with the publishing team who worked on Club Lithium. So, Christine, I'm going to lob it over to you. Yeah, so we're super tonight. excited to have uh, Charles with us this evening. Charles, let's start off with asking you a question about the book. Club Lithium, one of the first things I noticed, lithium is spelled with two L's. Well, not usually, but... Tell us why. Why did you go with the two L's on this one? So the story takes in a lot of old school kind of legends and lore from all over Europe's Germany and Celtic lore, but particularly a lot of Welsh lore. Um, and lith, L-L-I-T-H, is actually the Welsh word for decoy or bait. And really in, in the storyline, the club is just, just a front for something more. Um, that the, the you know the, the protagonist has to then look further into and find the kind of the answer to what it's actually that's actually behind the scenes of the club. That's yep. Are we all, they were all we're all back now. <laughs> it became a weird little Brady bunch thing all of a sudden. <laughs> we can edit that part out. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> so, what, 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 you know, uh, so basically, give us the, the you know, uh, club, club lithium. Of course, is you know, you mentioned the, the club, uh, uh, the, which is the centerpiece for the for the book, and uh, just set the stage for us on uh, your, your inspiration, and then just uh, give us a little uh, twenty five words or less what the book's about. Yeah, I guess the short pitch is, uh, you know. What kind of inspired, I guess, is what uh, happens if you like, you're at the nightclub or out to the bar with your friends. Um, you have a good time. It's a great time. It's a blast. But the next day you come home and you wake up and you just feel you feel pretty old uh, the next day. Uh, definitely a little bit older. Um, well, what if what if you actually were? What if, yeah, you might be buying drinks at the club, but they're not really interested in your money. They're interested in something else. And uh, that being that little bit of of you that they take with them. So that was kind of the the, the, the base inspiration for it. Uh, I got it, came down to a dream I had one night and I just wrote down this, like kind of the premise the next day and it kind of went off from there. 
And I noticed on your website, you know, you say uh, you know, your job's been able to afford you being able to travel the world and nationally here in the States and then also internationally. And, you know, obviously you mentioned, uh, you know, the different parts of Europe, Europe with the, the lore, the Celtic, the, the German, everything, you know, and your travels and, you know, people with tales to tell, getting, getting inside of their heads with things. What so far for you has been the richest geographical well of inspiration? Ironically, after being to Italy and spending a lot of time in actually in the Philippines, even uh, Tennessee, ironically, had the most rich lore and legends that came naturally for people telling you about them. I can't tell me times I sat in a bar in Tennessee and some random guy next to me would just tell me some cool stories mm -hmm. of things he saw while I was out hunting or stories about small little towns in Tennessee. Um, it's kind of ironic of all the places I've traveled there. That was probably the most rich in terms of naturally organic lore that I could find among the populace. You don't really go to a bar in Italy and they start telling you about some, you know, beast in the Alps or anything like that. <laughs> well, if I remember my geographical history correctly, the Appalachian Mountains settled by the Irish by and large. So the, I, this comes back to on the show. It's mentioned a lot. The Irish greatest storytellers in the world, hence that, you know, that geographical well of inspiration. Uh, yeah, when you're drinking that much, I'm sure you can get a, quite a few inspiration ideas. <laughs> I know I do. Why did say, I ever uh, put the drinking yeah, I, and two and two together on that one? Excellent, <laughs> thank you. I was gonna say, I think I think Moonshine probably played a good part in some of that, uh, some of yeah. that storytelling history in that area. I think hallucinogens is one of the side effects of too much of that too, so. So I've heard. <laughs> no, nothing about that. <laughs> that's, the, that's the word on the hollow back streets. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, I, I jokingly said, you know, 25 words or less, give that to us. But one of the things I really liked about Club Lithium and, and uh, uh, your other writing, very descriptive scenes. And I love how they paint a fuller picture, you know, kind of like Boyd Crowder on Justified, using 40 words when four would suffice. So is that something that you, yeah, and, and your style as a writer, is that something that you just picked up upon to, to, to more fully paint the scenes? Well, I think as a writer, you pick up whatever you read. Um, I, I grew up reading a lot of Michael Crichton. Um, mostly he was probably my idol growing up, but in my later life, I've done a lot of Stephen King. Um, in fact, I don't think, and thankfully he has enough wealth of, of work to, to be able to do this, but I'm always have a Stephen King book probably nearby at some point, either listening to in the car or actually reading it. Um, and so I think that's where I mostly pick it up from. Um, I don't try to follow anything. I'm not a classically trained writer. I just kind of try to, as even Stephen King would tell you, write my truth and what it looks like in my head, how I would feel it would look. Um, I would say I'm a, probably, I write just what I kind of see and the, at the pace that I feel like fits for that. Sometimes two words works and sometimes 40 words will get you there um, to get it right. So depending on the scene. Well, as we learn to throw mama from the train, as teacher Larry Donner said, a writer writes always. Whether it's four words, 40 words or whatever it is. And it's funny, you mentioned Stephen. I kind of went the other way around. Like Stephen King always had a book by my side through, well, as long as I was able to reach them off of mom and dad's shelf with the shining and Carrie and that stuff. And then uh, through high school, you know, just, and just Stephen King, as much as I was reading Edgar Allan Poe. And then I went the Michael Crichton route and, and just talk about two guys to have a writing idol that it's, it doesn't get much better than that. 
Whatever they wrote somehow turned to gold. Wonderful talent to have. <laughs> well, I was just, I was just seriously, I was just reading a writing blog earlier today, and they were talking about Stephen King, and and you know, kind of kind of uh, boiled down to Stephen King's writing. His his top priority is always to entertain the audience. Whatever he's writing, it's entertainment is always comes first. And I, you know, a lot of uh, you know, opposed to a lot of writers where that isn't their top priority. But uh, but you know, it, by keeping the kind of that goal in mind in his writing, his you know, whatever he wanted to write about, it was just always fun to read. So I think that was kind of the the you know, kind of that was kind of his uh, his true north when he was when he was writing. It's really hard to write stuff that you find boring, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that maybe oh. it's hard to uh, you know that the audience might find boring but you might like you know that's that's the uh, the trick but speaking of that charles like you're a dad you've got small kids when do you find time to write like how do you how do you get it done uh i, I have what's called reverse insomnia i want to say i wake up at like 4 a.m in the morning and i'm just wide awake and nothing can stop me so that's my time to write um, but actually one of my favorite people to talk about concepts and ideas for my books with is my, my five, uh, four-year-old, soon-to-be-five-year-old son. Um, as weird as that sounds as a horror writer to talk about that with him, um, he actually has some brilliant ideas. He has his own idea for his own book that he wants to write one day, a horror book called Blood Dripper. I know, he's four. Um, <laughs> You never know; it could be a huge hit. all over the place. We don't judge. Now, I'm trying to I'm trying to help him refine his plot lines a little bit on it because he's a little bit all over the place. Clowns, spiders. There's awful lots of stuff there. We got to kind of people find those horrifying. <laughs> but uh, no, I just it's my best friend. I writes in the mornings. That's why I'm most awake. Ironically, um, I, it's because back when I was a kid, I or back when I was in high school, I used to work. Uh, working at trucks and my first my shift started at 4 30 in the morning and so ever since high school i've been an early bird and it's probably my favorite time to write after about two o'clock nothing good gets put on paper after that after that point in the day for me so nothing worthwhile at least but how was that process for you in writing the book because i mean these you know you're um, writing about, and I don't want to tell too much of the plot, but this is like a grad student. She's going to the clubs and all of this. How much of this was pulling on your own experience or things that you had heard from other people? Or was it all just, you know, building on that dream or, you know, where did, where did, where does it come from? Well, um, is it when you like get into it and you start getting that, that feverish writing and, you know, yeah, I mean, I had my party days back in college. It's been a long time. I'm not really the uh, person you're going to find at a nightclub like Club Lithium. That's not really me anymore. Um, but I do have my days of going to that of that world um, and playing in that world. Um, a lot of it comes from the media, from overall pop culture. Um, you know, you see a lot of truth in how the clubs kind of operate, especially the higher-end ones. Um, based off a lot of other movies and books and different kind of stories. So um, through kind of a conglomeration and amalgamation of all those being exposed to all those different things, I put together the overall story there for what, you know, what, what ended up being the club lithium. But I wanted to make it cool. Like what would be like, I don't want to just go to some random abandoned warehouse and, and, and dance and sing and drink and whatever. Um, how cool was the cathedral, the old church, the abandoned church being the setting? How many nightclubs do you just see where that's the case? Um, the nightclub wasn't just about 
you know, going to the bar and ordering drinks. It was about the ambiance, the people, the overall. In fact, uh, part of the inspiration was my wife went to Ibiza for for a couple of weeks uh, a couple of years ago, and I heard a lot of the stories. In fact, if uh, if Christian, if you remember the Tarzan character, that's actually a direct reference to something that happened to her in Ibiza. Uh, not exactly the same circumstances, but definitely the inspiration for some of the uh, some of the themes there. And one of the things I like about the writing, the writing, and it's very similar to Crichton, so you can definitely see see the influence in that. It reads like a screenplay. Club Lithium does, and you know, and when you you know, you're early when you started out, you you wrote a screenplay when you were younger, correct? And so I'm just, so I mean, we are a more of a pop culture minded generation. So when you're writing, do you keep that in mind? Do you maybe envision this being on the screen, big screen, or, or a small screen at some point? Oh, absolutely. That's that's kind of the end goal for me. I would say is is to see it up and physically see people doing different things. Um, I write in the traditional three act kind of structure that a movie would would probably be built around. Um, I try to structure even my chapters as how an episode might be structured in a movie or a TV series. Um, um, so I try to build something around that. That's just how my mind kind of thinks naturally. That's kind of my natural medium. Um, my wife jokes as I've seen probably every single movie at least once on the planet. So she, uh, like, I play like, you know, actors, somebody's kind of baking with different actors in different movies. So um, definitely how my mind thinks, how I built it. Um, I would love to see it on the big screen one day. I think it'd be really cool to see, you know, people dancing the big atmosphere of the of the big church um definitely cool to see some of the scarier uh, elements near the end more supernatural elements yeah. portrayed near the end so uh, with that in mind do you write with any particular actor or actress in mind and with with that in mind who, who would you see as b mal or viv or cam oh gosh that's really hard i don't i don't think so um I, I wish I had an answer for that one because I would love to be the casting director for some movies out there. I would definitely do a better job, I think. <laughs> Somehow, there is. Well, well with, I, again, not to give too much away, but because but we've seen some of the pictures up with, with the advertising and uh, and just uh, getting it out there on social media. Um, more friend, uh, I'm not sure if uh, Mickey Rourke would be able to uh, pull off what he did in, the, in uh, Sin City. Oh, I, I definitely, I definitely can envision him in that kind of, you know, that the big, the square granite head. Uh, definitely, um, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, Mickey Rourke would be excellent as more friend. Um, he's got, yeah, it's got to be someone big and be able to show off that kind of mean, you know, I'm not going to, you know, take crap from anybody type, type personality, you know. So, uh, yeah, uh, even looking at some of the, of the female characters, it's really hard to cast Bay in my head, I think, because I think everyone has a different view of how she kind of looks. I kind of left her a little bit more obscure um, so that it could imprint with the reader a little more of, of a broader group and align with her or feel like a little bit closer to her. Viv and Mal were definitely more traditional archetypes of the defiant, you know, dark haired kind of girl, the fighter versus, you know, kind of the traditional, you know, mean girls, you know, mm -hmm. most popular girl in class, no matter what they did, it was always perfect, right? Um, and so it's hard for me to to choose one actress for, for any of those roles, to be honest, because of that. Um, but definitely more friend. Uh, Kyla's gives me more of a Charlize Theron type, type idea there, mm -hmm. for sure, for certain. Um, and even Harper could be like, maybe not anymore, maybe a younger Zac Efron. 
version. Okay. I can it's see like you're from yeah. five or ten years ago. Sorry, Zach, if, if you're watching. Well, was it, you, know, you, know, you watch all these Scorsese movies, and they're de-aging everybody now. They can pull it off if necessary. Absolutely. Uh, Kurt Russell that. in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, wow. Look great. Kurt Russell is Warframe. Oh, wait a minute. Now, now That we, would be we, cool. We've walked down an alley, an alley here that I didn't think about. Oh. I just finished watching Hateful Eight over the weekend, so definitely uh, something he could pull off based off of his performance there. He's Kurt Russell. What can't he do? Wait, wait. See, that, that's a different show. And uh, I think we, we could do a, an entire three for and then some with Kurt Russell. But but we digress. So, uh, But uh, keeping more friend in mind, um, and uh, I'm hoping not to give too much away, but what I liked about one of the sections in the book where it drifted into a bit of a, of a historical uh, fiction kind of sequence. And how did you uh, work that in? And, and did that come from you know just the travels around the globe and, and wanted to get that in there? That really came naturally in the in the kind of the overall production of the story. Um, it wasn't actually in my first draft of the manuscript. Um, and the I, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of refer to TV shows again. Every TV show needs that one episode written by a different director and a different writer that doesn't fit the rest of the mold. But it's so late in the season that you can kind of understand it. And you won't you won't hold it against them. But some people just love it. My original version of that was this kind of dream sequence of a set through hell for for the main character, and it didn't. It it was trying too hard to be something that it wasn't. I said, you know, I need to start from scratch here um, on this one chapter. I just threw the whole chapter out. And I said, you know what? Everyone loves Morphin and Kyla. If you look in the story, they're only in it for two or three chapters, really max, mm -hmm. across the entire thing. But they're really cool characters. They're fun. So why not give them their own chapter? that they could be to explore how they met, their backstory, and everything that kind of made them special um, without having to do a whole exposition, you know, adding exposition late in the story. And that just slows down an entire climax to explain how people exist and got there and got these different abilities. So it's kind of my way to kind of bridge that gap and make that work. And it was just a, kind of a fun chapter to write. I mean, I learned more about Arthurian lore writing that chapter than I've ever learned in any kind of English class back in high school. So, And it was Arthurian in the way that um, the, the Clive Owen Arthur, not the, mm -hmm. the typical other ones. I, I really dug that part of it. And so now, Christine, as a, as a publisher, when, when, when an author's coming to you like that and, and adding that that little scene in there that wasn't there before, what, what's that like from the, the publishing end? I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah. You know, as an editor, you know, all you can do is go back to your writer and say, hey, I think we need a little bit more here. We need a little bit more there. And I think it was just um, some questions that I had asked him about the progression of the story that potentially... <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Um, he'll only have to attest to that or not. You know, if it was, you know, what we had asked him as publishers and editors, you know, if we could do a little bit more with the story in certain parts that inspired him to add that. <laughs> and the reception so far has been interesting from readers. Um, as I kind of wanted it to be, it's a chapter that some people just love and some people just did not get. I think that's okay. I can live with that. So I can live with some people being like, you know what? I love the rest of it. I just didn't get that one chapter. That's okay. And, and But I love it here. when somebody like, that was so cool. Like I got to just take a quick departure, go back in time, and then come right back to where I was without too much of a 
know, intertwining, you know, the timelines or whatever, making it confusing. It was kind of like a quick, just kind of periodic episode on. So people love that part of it. It made it a lot more uh, fun for them. And this just hit me. I said, I, I've got you both here. Is there going to be an audiobook of this potentially? That would be amazing. I think that would be a fabulous project to do. <laughs> <laughs> to be determined. I've had a lot of requests. Yeah. As someone who listens to a lot of audiobooks, I'm definitely open to it. We'll have to see where the cards kind of lie. About. It's already an ebook. So, you know. Oh, and, well, and, and then, that, that was a setup for me to shamelessly say uh, I'm available for reading. That was part of it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, would you want to read it yourself or would you want, who would you want to read your audiobook for you if you could? Uh, I tried to, voice? in my perfect voice, well, God. Well, I'm not to go with Eric on this one just because he's on the call. Um, yeah, I, I would never do it myself. Um, I'll, I'll take I, one of the male voices. I, I was going to suggest Christine for the female voices and then you just mix it up a little bit, so. I can do, I'll do a pretty good Morphin. I'll get my best, uh, you know, deep kind of hoarse voice going out for Morphin. See, there we, we, we figured this out in a matter of 60 seconds. Excellent. Publisher, you got that, right? Yeah. I, I might yeah. catch help for this later. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> looking for an added stream of revenue for the books. See, I'm just trying to help. There you go. Always be thinking of that. But, you know, we'll see what we can do with it. So what is, what do you think is next? Charles, for you as a writer? Well, um, I actually started writing the first chapter to the soft sequel. Um, I liked ending the couple of themes. It's, it's meant to be standalone. You don't need this. It's not like a big anthology. But I did leave a little bit open at the end for a fun idea that I had. It just kind of came to me when I was writing the very last kind of epilogue chapter. So I actually started writing uh, the first chapter of the sequel, which is called Working Title The Gallery. Um, and just to give it away, a gallery moves into the same building as Club Lithium and strange things start happening in the same kind of kind of space. So um, that is kind of my working uh, project right now. I have a historical fiction sci-fi mashup that I've also kind of work in progress called My Friend George, which is a story of a kidnapping of George Washington on the day he dies. He wakes up in a cabin and kind of what happens next. Um, I'm a huge history fan, especially American history. One of my life goals is to, re is to uh, read or listen to every biography of every president. Um, I'm about 20 in, so a few more to go. But uh, George Washington is my favorite, and so it was kind of a love, uh, a passion project of love for me. And also I have a short story I'm going to be finishing this weekend. Um, I've always wanted to write a Christmas story, um, and this is kind of like a, Christmas kind of uh, mythological creature story mixed in the Christmas setting and the New Year's setting um, called Joy that I'll be I'll be putting out this week for on my website. So lots of things in progress right now um, that I'm I'm planning on the next uh, you know couple months finishing up all of them and getting them out there. And you did also write other short stories, um, Overclocked, one of them that I loved. Mm -hmm that I read recently. And that one's about a guy in a AI project that he potentially could work on and what happens if it falls into the wrong hands. Yeah, um, was a very simple premise actually it was, uh, yeah. I was watching Fantasia and everyone loves the Mickey Mouse Sorcerer's Apprentice mm -hmm. story in there. I just said, what if you adapted it to AI and some kind of hacker's apprentice, right? Um, and what could go awry? So that was overclocked for me. It was a fun little project to get that out there. Um, and then I have my, my first short story called Anna King. 
Uh, and I didn't name it appropriately because it was based off of Stephen King writing prompt from on writing. Um, he used to accept submissions for, for those prompts. That was probably about 20 years ago. Doesn't accept submissions for me anymore to his website. So I was like, I wrote this off of his prompt. Might as well put it out there. Um, a little more on the gritty kind of romance gone wrong. Um, but it was definitely fun to write. That's what I like putting it out there. Well, I'm a son of the revolution, so I'm definitely looking forward to my friend George. Love, love, love the summation on that one. Thank you. They ho hopefully, the hardest part is getting a historical figure who you have no audio recordings of their voice right. You know, how do you get the tone right that's believable uh, without you know, without making it so authentic that modern people won't understand what he's saying type thing? It's a very tough uh, line to line to throw. So I'm, I'm very nervous, actually, about getting his dialogue right. So I spent a lot of time on it. I'd probably just use uh, uh, David Morse from the John Adams miniseries as a as a uh, reference. I, I think I think his performance in that was really good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he got the whisper down. Everyone thinks of George Washington as a great orator, right? But he definitely wasn't exactly the loudest guy in the room for certain. So. And another thing that uh, popped uh, that, that struck me at uh, you know on, on your website or maybe it was on Facebook, but uh, you say you read books in foursomes. Yes. Please, please explain. Yeah. So um, I, re I listen to audiobooks every day. Um, whenever I'm in the car with my kids, I uh, listen to an audiobook. If we're not listening to an audiobook, we're listening to podcasts about lore and legends. My son loves it. Um, and then I also my running. And then Anytime I'm not um, writing or I'm too tired to write, I decide, you know, what's the best thing, the best thing to do is start reading. And so I'll try to pick four different authors completely, um, sticking to historical fiction, mythology, and the horror kind of genres, my bread and butter, maybe a little thriller. Um, and I'll pick up four books. I won't buy anything else until I finish those four books. So when they're done, then I'll buy another four books. So I'll kind of go through it that way. Um, make sure I give every author a shot. Uh, I don't want to be, I mean, I'm not going to shame anybody, but I heard a lot of people who have those super large to-be-read piles that are probably, you know, filling up multiple bookcases in their house. Um, yeah, they're, they're there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Top shelf. Just a little bit. Uh, so I try to read at least everybody's uh, uh, books. I, and with those four books, I all oh, there, there's Christine. Um, I always get at least one debut indie author uh, mix in there. I uh, got to give my fellow uh, debut and indie author some love. So, well, on that note, what's the feedback been like from uh, the author community for Club Lithium? Everyone's very supportive. Um, I cannot tell you how relieved I am that I don't think I've gotten one negative comment from anyone within the author community. It's it's not a you know um, uh, you know dog eat dog out there. It's not your sale takes away from my sale. It's more about trying to bring themselves up. It's a beautiful group to be around and talk to. And so I really enjoy sharing with them, talking with them about their books, um, sharing their books. I've got a few friends who are now, you know, authors. And uh, it's just, I've never seen a group more optimistic. There's not, doesn't really feel like competition with one another. Even if you are directly competing with them on charts with different categories on Amazon, um, it doesn't feel like that at all. Everyone just wants everyone to succeed. I love hearing that. We all rise together, and whether it's a, you're reading books in foursomes or struggling to get through two in a year. 
So Do you finish every book that you start, Charles? I give it at least 10 chapters as my as my role. Every author's got to get at least 10 chapters to the to, to catch. 10 chapters? Yeah. I give them a fair shot, okay. you know. There's there's not a lot of late bloomers out there. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, DK Hood's been one I've really enjoyed. The second half of her book a lot more than the first half. So, um, yeah, uh, I give them at least 10 chapters. So I want at least... You know, I think it's karma a little bit. Maybe if you know you don't like chapter one, two of Calithian, you go a little bit further before you put it down for good and say nah. Um, you know, maybe it's a little bit karmic karmic too there. There's a few that have been pretty, pretty slogs to get through. Um, but as long as you get through at least 10, then then I'm good. That's usually you know about a hundred pages then typically. That's a fair shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, I de definitely want you to check out Club Lithium. And if you've got supernatural, gothic with horror, a little bit of historical fiction in there, and you can get that at Amazon, Kindle, Goodreads, any other other platforms, anything. You know, you can also go to to Charles's website, which is crallenwrites.com, Correct. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So check it out. And Charles, thanks again so much for joining us here on All Over the Place. Been a blast. And Club Lithium, folks, check that out. Thank you, guys. It's been great. And keep an eye out for what comes next from Charles Allen. <laughs> My friend George, later this year. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Dedicated to Eric. <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't need to go that far, but thank you. I'll work on my soft talking. Maybe I can't top David Morris, but we'll see what happens. All over the place, where the fun sanity never ends. The opinions expressed by the guests are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the hosts or the producer.